Welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. And me, Anya Adams. We're so glad to be back and talking to you about Black Women Plus and the media and entertainment and arts. We're so excited for today's guest, y'all. Today we're talking to producer, director, and intimacy consultant, Anne James. Hi. It's so good to be here. It's so so great to have you. And guys, she has founded something called the Intimacy Coordinators of Color. For those of you that are in the industry, that is like nothing we've ever seen. So we're going to dig into that. But it's an organization that supports and promotes decolonized intimacy education and inclusive hiring practices in the entertainment industry. So we're going to delve into that, which I'm really excited about. Um, cause I think there's some really relevant stuff happening. Complete. We were thinking about a good reference for what, what is an intimacy coordinator cause, or consultant. Cause we just started to hear this terminology, unfortunately. And because yeah. you all have been doing this work for so long, but, um, we've talked a lot about the show. I may destroy you. And we noticed that at the end, they credit an intimacy consultant there. And if you're watching the show, you'll, it's very clear why that's especially important on that show. I'm guessing Anne's going to let us know it's pretty much important on every set. So we're, we're looking forward <laughs> to getting into that too. Um, and she's all about making stage and screen safer places for people of color to practice their craft, which is why we're so glad to have you. Welcome to Sister Brunch. And uh, let's get into it, Sister. Okay. Yes. Thank you. One of the things we like to really start with, with all of our guests is kind of your journey you know, from little bitty Anne to where she is now. Can you just give us a quick kind of summary of how you got from where you were to where you are? Sure thing. I, I'm so glad you asked. And thank you for inviting glad me. Glad to have you. This of course. is such a nice opportunity to just have a chat with some sister women and, you know, talk about this new field. Um, I came to intimacy coordination and direction through uh some experiences that i had when i was in university you know i went to school in the the 80s and um you know back then the relationships between professors and students were quite lax and so we had uh professors and students dating which is a big no-no and um you know that was just kind of the climate that i had when i was a student and also then the aids crisis hit and it hit hard in my theater department. We had 54 drama majors, and in 18 months, we lost 14. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah, so, wow. I mean, literally, we were moving desks out of classrooms because they were empty, and we knew who used to sit there, and it was, like, traumatic. <sighs> and So from that, this beautiful thing happened where, you know, as, as a young directing student, Um, I was trying to find ways for people to connect to one another in scenes of intimacy. And back then, you know, people were really afraid to touch each other. Even just kind of like now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny how history repeats itself. And so I devised a system called the Circles of Intimacy, which allowed for basically a consent and boundaries practice around acting. And do you mind if I touch you here? Is this a place that is okay? And you know, so I developed that then, then went on to the illustrious career that I have and um, <laughs> moved abroad for a few years, 10 ex- actually, lived in Sudan, lived in Amsterdam, lived in Shanghai. And through that, as a producer, worked on, on various shows. 
and started to reincorporate this this circles of intimacy. And when I got back to the States, Me Too had happened, Toronto Burke, you know, created this wonderful system that that um, has kind of called people out on their misbehavior. And I started looking at information about intimacy direction and I kept bumping into white woman after white woman after white woman, to be quite honest. And I thought, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, But there's no representation for people who look like me. And when I dove into that inquiry and kind of was asking why, you know, well, we have this person and this person. And I said, but are they teaching? Are they in leadership positions and kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So I just said, okay, fine. I'll just start my own company. Yes. And I didn't just do it out of a mushroom. I mean, I, I put out an inquiry on Facebook saying, Hey, I'm an intimacy director. I'm looking at this new field. That's kind of burgeoning. If you're a person of color and interested, you know, just follow this Facebook page. And Mm. I got, 400 likes and about 40 emails. Hi, I'm really interested in this field. I'm a person of color, but I don't really feel like getting the training from a white woman, Um, blah, 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 blah. You know, just just honest responses. And and it's not like the the intimacy, to give them full credit, it's not like the intimacy directors and coordinators didn't realize that there was a problem. Right. But it seemed like the crest of the wave was happening and we weren't being brought along on that in a leadership front facing kind of way. So, um, yeah, so I've developed a curriculum. We actually have a cohort now and uh, of about seven, yes. seven students. We're, ti- we're tiny, but we're mighty. I love it. Well, no, we should awesome. mention, too, that in addition to, to starting your company, you're also pursuing America's first simultaneous MFA performance pedagogy and doctoral degree in intimacy direction for people of color at Loyola Marymount. And I'm like, so when do you sleep? Number one. And then number two, much gratitude for you really trailblazing in this, in this way. Thank you. I really think it's important to look at the training that is out there, which is, you know, again, much props to the development of the industry. It's not like I'm throwing shade in any kind of way to the development. Mm. Um, sometimes I get blamed for that. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you started your own company? <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but I'm not. And, yeah. and um, I just want to do it a different way. And so what this, what this master's slash doctoral, it turns out it's going to be probably through the education department, so an ED, um, will do is it will place intimacy work within an Afrocentric meter. So that the way we come to the material is not a westernized look at intimacy, but it actually is Afrocentric, which we all know is the OG. The OG, the OG intimacy and everything else. Yeah. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and my girl, Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with intimacy consultant, producer, and educator, Ann James.
Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanshin Cox. Let's get back to chatting with Hollywood intimacy consultant Ann James. What's a day in the life look like for you when you if you're working on a set? Okay, I'm going to tell you about two experiences. One I did not do and one I chose to do because the one that I did not do is almost even more important than the one that I'm going to be working okay. on. I got a call from a line producer. And for those of you who don't know what a line producer is, they're the money person who decides what the budget is and then they go about hiring the people that are going to work on a film. So I... I uh, was called by a line producer who said, hey, this is straight up in the, well, still in the middle of the pandemic, but this was like hot, hot pandemic. Like we weren't used to it yet. Yeah. She said, hey, we've got this film. It's going to be right outside of Atlanta on a plantation. And it is a period piece. It goes back in time. And it is a, a sexually violent scene between a black woman and a white man. Why are we still making? <laughs> yeah, we're, like, that's why, the first why question. Why do we have that? Okay, but anyway. Ay, ay, ay. Oh. Okay. And, you know. <laughs> the, right, of course. I just stopped for a minute because I said, Lord Jesus, please don't let me cuss this person out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, a frequent conversation in our minds before we... <laughs> I took yeah. a deep breath and I said, you know, this person doesn't know what they're saying. They're just trying to do their job. I said, well, well, okay, so take me through exactly what the scenario would be. What do you need me to do? Well, we need you to choreograph the, the sexual violence. And I said, okay, so... All these questions that you ask, how many people are going to be on set? Um, are they clothed? Is there nudity? Are the actors informed about what's going on? You know, she said, well, it's going to be in the middle of the summer, so it's going to be quite hot, and the conditions are going to not be the best. And I said, well, not to mention that it's on a plantation in Atlanta. During COVID. Okay. During COVID, you know, and I'm also right. a, a qualified COVID-19 compliance officer. So I have that certification as well. So Smart, yes. Those were concerns as well. Like, are we, you know, we're masking up, I'm assuming. What about craft services? Like, all these questions I had about that. And uh, I said, okay, so number one, I'm, I'm unfortunately not going to take the gig because A, I don't want to fly on a plane. B, I don't want to be on a plantation. C, I don't think that this narrative is something we should be digging down into right, anymore. Right, Well, good. We're solid. We've got that. <laughs> we got it. We We're, got it. We... Like, you could just cut something in, clip something in. There's hundreds of references. Mm-hmm. From all the, right, archived and like, materials. And the other yes. question I asked yeah. was, and this is really the brunt of my work and the thrust of my work is, what have you done to ensure that the actors are mentally okay yeah. during the shooting of this? Because if I'm a, right. a female-identifying actor in that situation black mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how many takes is it going to be like are we going to do right. 20 takes yeah. of me right. being attacked sexually right. because then we need to th start thinking about onset therapy we need to start thinking about frequent breaks we need to start thinking about okay we're done for the day who's going to stand in and be that person 
So that's the thrust of my work. And, and, you know, it's not just taking care of the scenes. It's also taking care of the actors. Right. And where they sit in on the intersectional crossroads. You know, you're going to have to think about, okay, if we have two mature actors. People are sexually engaged well into their 80s now. But there are different ways and there are different uh, positions that we have to think about in order to make actors feel comfortable. If you have a 60-year-old actor, they're like, oh, I had a hip replacement. Okay, so we can't, you know, so are you mm-hmm, inclined right. and, and knowledgeable and trained to take those things into, we may need more frequent restroom breaks. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. so I'm trying to think of it holistically. Can you just define for us? Because I we have we say intimacy coordinator, but what is intimacy like? Like, what is that range for intimacy for you? That means that you need to be involved. I'm so glad you asked that. You know, for me, intimacy is framed in so many different ways, almost as many ways as there are human beings. So we all think intimacy, uh, think of intimacy in our own way. What an intimacy coordinator, an intimacy director does is they look at the script, they look at the at the way the director wants to tell the story, and then they create the choreography that tells that story. Sometimes we go in and we give consultation to the director and then the director choreographs. Um, that's completely fine too. What intimacy coordinators of color is incorporating into that is maturity, uh, intersectionality, uh, gender, uh, sexual preference, race, culture, all of those things come into, you know, how would a person who wears a hijab, you know, hold hands in a public place with a person of the opposite sex? Yes. Yes. Totally different than two teenage right. Americans. And it's and it's mm. almost a heightened intimacy mm. because of that like expression publicly publicly. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Hi, it's Anya, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. If you want to, go ahead and use this time to follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch. We're talking about intimacy consultants with Anne James. And have you seen the the Netflix film that's creating a lot of questions? We talked a little bit about this, and Anya, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so on fire about it. Uh, cuties. No, but I, you know, I have followed that story since the since it came from France because I remember the just the horrible press that it got because of yeah. the marketing materials in this country and now there's because the marketing was totally different in Europe yeah you know they were they were pictured as little girls and little little saucy little pepper girls Mm -hmm. which I love yes you know girls at the height of girldom yes but when they got here they were sexualized in some Mm. kind of way whether you know, whether their positioning or the yeah. photo that they took or whatever, it came to a completely different. And then, you know, people 
how come we've had dance moms for like a generation? I know. Let's be clear. And all Let's the little the, the pageants, yeah. pageantry, and the, the, what they put the, the in the yeah. hotsy totsy out. This is what. Let's we, be clear. Their reaction yeah. is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm so fired up about it because I really feel like this this black woman who is really trying to explore sexuality in young women, which we never see on television, we never see in movies, and it's not. It's not always like, oh, my first kiss with the guy behind the... It's right. not that, you know? And especially if you're from another culture, you come from Ghana to whatever, Atlanta, you, you know, you're trying to fit in the best you can. And what you see is this hypersexualization all around you. I mean, I think, I personally think the movie is, a, it's quite hard to watch because it's showing us kind of what's happening. Yeah, we were talking about, because I'm my father's Jamaican and so you're whining as a little kid. Like that's, you know, you grow up and that, that's why I love your intersectional approach, right? Is that there are so many things to take into consideration. And to your point about anything from hand holding, like in defining what intimacy is, it's anything, it's, it's maybe any physical touch at all, but that within cultures, within identity groups, that means something so different. And so we need somebody there who's sensitive to that and that's my concern generally. I, I think about, right. you know, white folks certainly have some have a breadth of, inf you know, a lot, a, a whole lot of kind of information and experiences. But when you're on the margins, you see all of it and you experience all of it. Right. You get access to the overrepresented culture as much as you do in your own body underrepresented so you're more able to relay broader experiences so i i just think what you do is so important people are these sets are going to be lucky to have you thank you i think back to i was um an ad on on um insecure i think season two and we had a very explicit sex scene and at that point we didn't have intimacy coordinators okay we are they didn't have one on i don't remember seeing one i remember our director really directing the actors um, and the actress being, I mean, seemingly very comfortable, the actress, I don't know about the actor. I mean, I think that's another thing people need to think about. It's like, maybe the woman is like hella comfortable being nude and walking around, yeah. but the guy is like, yeah. I don't, you know, or the other woman or whatever. No, you're you know? bringing I mean, up a great point that you, and the same reason why I, you know, the, the question that I had for that line producer for that Atlanta gig, it's like, what about the white guy? Yeah. Yeah. Who's caring for him? Yeah. He's got to, I'm sure he isn't inclined to have this activity in his life. You know, this is not normal for him either. We hope. <laughs> right. So right. who's yeah. going to reach out to him and check in with him about his breaks? You know, never crossed their mind. Never crossed their mind. So you talked about this show that you said yes to. That yeah. A, you want to tell us a little about that one? Or so what you can. Is, I can't tell you too much yeah, about it, but yeah. it, it is it is a short film project by a ballet professional. Oh. So this is a story between uh, an intersex individual and a person who identifies as male. And what that means for, for people who don't know, an intersex individual is born okay. with nondescript genitalia or a combination of genital additions 
and they fall in love and it's kind of this pool love scene mm. which is going to be so amazing and um this is the first time that i will be choreographing a scene with an intersexed individual and we're so i'm so excited to to uh to start that project because everyone is in the right frame of mind everybody is thinking of two other people yeah when you when you have a set like that just like you said you know those scenes that you uh, that you were witnessing where people felt pretty comfortable and the director felt pretty um, equipped to deal with, with that kind yeah. of scene. I'm all for it. I'm great. Uh, I'm great with that. What we want to do is make sure that everybody has someone they can look to on set to say, this is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or I need a moment. Uh, you know, the ICOCs that, that we are qualifying through our company is uh, very excited about being bystanders in the room. Yes. So while we're not actively yes. speaking and involved in moving body parts and making sure modesty garments are in place, yeah. we're there to hold space and look and be an observer. Hey, you are listening to Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and me, Fanchon Cox. We will be right back. Now back to our interview. We don't have the sex police energy. We're not, we're not there to be like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. We're there. Yes. And what about this? No, but what about this? You know, we have, I, you know, I want to instill my students and the people who come through our program with that professional enthusiasm to get exactly what the director wants or maybe more. So when you say no, um, is is that no from the fact that you've spoken to both of the actors and really drilled down what they're comfortable with? Like, how do you know that's a yes or a no? The way it breaks down is that before you even get on to set, there are writers. So the contract will have the agreement that the actors have willfully said, yes, I will do this, 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 this. And the writer, after reading the script, consulting with their team, deciding what they're comfortable with. So we really have kind of an outline of what the director wants before we even step on. To, at least that's the way it's supposed to work through, yeah. you know, what SAG-AFTRA is requiring and, you know, a lot of networks. Which again speaks to why it's so important for you to be on set because at that point, the actors don't have anybody who's going to advocate for what's written in the right. writer, right? And so you're there to say, wait a minute, this isn't, this wasn't agreed to. And I'm sure like Susan's like, thank God Anne's saying something because I didn't want to, because I don't want to look like an exactly. asshole director. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say to your point about your being on set, what I love about that is that I, I'm just realizing it's not only about the actors performing the scene, but it's about the crew as well, right? Yeah. So what if you have, back to that plantation, we want black women to be working in crew, but they would be experiencing trauma in watching the scene play out in crew position. So again, knowing you're there, I think would be really helpful. Really helpful. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's a holistic 
we're all in this together and everybody's feelings need to be taken into account and we can't get everyone uh 100% happy but the main thing is that we have decided as a group to care for one another no matter what the pace is no matter you know we're going to hit that daily mark but let's do it in a humanistic way. Let's do it so that that key grip, you know, isn't having to hold whatever they're holding over this scene, looking at someone's whatever, you know, very private body yeah. part. Right. Like that person has to look because that is their job to see. So let's take a moment and breathe through that with that person, you know, and that's a job of that when you know with that bystander training of just gauging when to call that break when to ask for a break when people need to just step away uh on the crew actors are sometimes so pumped on adrenaline right. like they're gung-ho they like prep they're, for they're, it and you know most actors are people pleasers as well <laughs> exactly they've been through the rehearsal process you know they want to do a good job this might be their first feature film yeah. they want to nail it the first time but what about the dp you know what about the ad what about you know you just have to think of everybody i, do. I think of it I, I do i think of it it's like it's a new it's like something that's becoming so much more solid in the industry but i kind of now talking to you feel like it's on par with special effects on set oh, like real yes. special effects and i the way i akin that to is like you have a guy and he's setting up something explosive and everyone needs to know about it and everyone needs to be safe. And the actors that are interacting with this explosive element, you know, we need to put, there needs to be time. Cause you were talking about like, let's take the time. And I think that's something too. It's like, we can't rush through this. If we want it to be good, we need to take mm. the time to craft this piece so that everyone's happy and everyone working in this environment is safe. And that's, you know, that's ultimately what we're doing is creating safety for, for people every And I can imagine, you know, being on the end of <clears throat> thinking about macro budgeting, right? And what, what, how can we get this thing made? And people, I, I would imagine people are going to be, oh, this is another line item to the budget and we can't do it. But it's, it's exactly what you're saying, Anya. I mean, it makes it that much better, a better experience on set, as well as ultimately we'll see that. We'll see that people are feeling safe enough to them because as actors too and crew, like you have to be vulnerable. You have to let it go. And this way they're going to feel safe enough to let it go. Yeah. Let it go. It's like, let it go. Let it go. Oh, no, we're going to have to pay rights for that. <laughs> that's, that's animation. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. You are so right. So I have this podcast called Intimacy Choreography in, in Conversation. Great. Yeah. And, and with this friend of mine. And we, we're just like intimacy nerds, okay? We just talk about everything intimacy. And we had an episode about virtual reality and, oh, yeah. and consent. Yes. You know, if you are engaging, if your avatar is engaging online with another avatar, that's a whole nother level mm. of consent that we haven't even, we touched. haven't even touched yet. True that. Wow. True that. 
Okay. Oh, well, uh, along those lines uh, uh, around how the world is changing around media. So I am recently recently learning about this site called OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. So and and I and it was interesting because I was having a conversation with some young women. Um, I, you know, I have concerns about porn and what it means around what intimacy is our perspectives on intimacy and what we expect right versus what what you're able to do when you're filming you're able to manipulate the ways and they were pushing back on me saying you know the great thing about OnlyFans is these women are being empowered because they're not they, they're getting their own revenue right so they're not getting you know it's not going to anybody else they're full-on business women and I'm yeah what does all of this mean like both that we're we're being more open about intimacy and and at the same time are there lines to be drawn where what we're viewing is not always what you can actually realistically do in life is that you know what i mean i do i do you know i mean number one we live in a a puritan established country yes so our parameters around nudity and what we see publicly have been kind of controlled by that legacy. Right. When film first started, this is a quick, quick history of film and porn. (laughs) When film film (laughs) first started, nudity was a situation. Like people were looking Mm. at talkies, penny, one penny talkie, watch the naked lady dance. And it was all good because it was just you and what you were seeing. Then that blossomed out into a film industry where you could actually sit in a room with other people and watch a naked person. That caused alarm. And these restrictions started to come down. So when you get to the 40s, there's no more real nudity in uh, mainstream film. Okay. So it goes into like moving into those triple X houses in New York City with, you know, those... uh, I romanticize it so much, but the, you know, Times Square when it used to really be Times Square and there were all the little tiny um, theaters there where you were men in trench coats, you know, the whole thing. So (laughs) then video started and so you could have it in your home again. So it, Mm. it it fluctuates back and forth. Is it, is nudity okay? okay? Is sex to, is sex, watching sex publicly, okay? Isn't it more comfortable to watch it at home? But, oh, now we can monetize it. Now that it's pay for play, right. it's right. a monetized system again. And, I, you know, look, there's going to be a certain amount of trafficking. And that's a concern. Yes, right. You know, a woman can say, oh, yeah, I'm making my own money. But we really don't know. We okay. just trust that she is a self enterprise. Mm. Um, certainly, some some women are being, or some beings, human beings, are being trafficked yeah. through sites like OnlyFans, mm. through Pornhub, through Element of P. Uh, mm. So there is that percentage of danger yeah. that comes into it. It yeah. kind of kicks the joy and the freedom and the independence out of it a little bit. But for the most right. part, what I'll say is that OnlyFans, I believe, is a very empowering yeah. new way for 
people who identify as marginalized who can't get on the the traditional first rungs of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. are finding inroads into stacking their chips like everybody else gets to stack theirs. Before we say goodbye to you, I just want to ask, like, um, like, do I have to have, like, a very vibrant and um, varied sexual past <laughs> to be an intimacy coordinator? Oh. Like, what are, mm. tell us a little bit about the training and, like, what's required of somebody coming in. Oh, thank you for that assumption. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, like, can we have some tips after this call? <laughs> <laughs> That's late. That's late night. Ah, right. Right. That's right. That's what midnight oh snack. Gosh. Midnight snack. Yes. <laughs> um, no, you do not have to have a career in the sex industry to be an intimacy <laughs> coordinator. Um, I think what this industry desires and wants to attract, at least what I would like to attract, is people who have an intersectional life, people who Mm -hmm. have training or background in theater or television film, if not direct training, some interest and some experience, Um, Mm -hmm. and, and someone who I'm not going to go as far as to say is empathic or an empath, but someone who is empathic and someone who can has has a sense of when things are going well and have a positive vibe. It's all about the vibe. Uh, I can teach you the choreography. We can find somebody to teach you how to tape on a modesty garment. That Those are not difficult things. But if you're coming in with this, Uh, I'm going to tell the director how to do this because I feel like women should be, you know, uh, policed and, and, you know, that kind of energy coming in, that kind of alpha energy, that ain't it. Are there mostly women doing it or are there men that do it too? You know, interesting you should say that because through this podcast that I have, we're going to be interviewing male intimacy coordinators and directors. Yes. I'm I'm kind of low-key obsessed. I'm like, why are you an intimacy coordinator? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because it's sprouted out of this whole thing of like, we're going to protect women on set from men who are the bad guy. Right. You know, that's Mm -hmm. how it kind of churned out. Uh, But yeah, I know a few professionals uh, that are male that are, we're going to just sit them down and we're going to throw questions I into, love the, it. into them. Yeah. And then like back out and see what, see what happens. Nice. And then, and then we'll wrap up with where can people find you? If we want to do what you do or learn about what you do, where can we find you? I can be found in, in IG at Ann James real, A N N J A M E S real. Uh, then also at Intimacy Coordinators of Color. And then also ICIC underscore Ann and Carly. 
So find me. And thank you so much. This was, we were so excited yes. to do this because we, this is new. This is brand new in the industry anyway. And so this has been so helpful. We wish you all the very yes. best moving forward. Thank you. And so grateful to you for, for training, for training folks to do this. Can't wait to see you on set. our conversation with Hollywood intimacy consultant, the fabulous Ann James. You can visit sisterbrunch.com to learn more about her work with intimacy coordinators of color. And thank you for listening to Sister Brunch with Fanchin Cox and me, Anya Adams. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Sister Brunch or on Facebook at facebook.com Sister Brunch podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review our show wherever you get our podcasts. Our show producer is Brittany Turner, and our executive producer is Cristobal Encia Buade. Catch y'all later.